good morning, everybody. All right. Maybe it's not a good morning. Well, I am having a good morning, and I'm excited to be here today. And uh, I, I, this series of Therefore, uh, where we're looking through the book of Hebrews, it's just been an awesome series, I think, unintentionally by us, but like leading up to Easter, um, because it's all about Jesus and pointing to his death and resurrection and why that uh, is, is so much greater um, and why we should follow it. And so um, I'm excited today because what we're focusing on specifically is a lot of like the old covenant, the old way of doing things, and how Jesus fulfills the new covenant and and is uh, a big part of it, and, and is like what we're going to see is Jesus' true tabernacle. So he fulfills those things in himself. And so we're going to take a big look at that uh, today. So I'm excited as we, we dive in. Um, and if you remember two weeks ago, because last week was our pause week, two weeks ago, we uh, looked at how a frozen deep dish pizza is not the quality of a Giordano's deep dish pizza in the heart of Chicago. Amen. Amen. Aaron's like, yep. <laughs> um, and today, I want to bring you, I, I've told this, I don't know why, but food has been like a good <laughs> illustration for this uh, aspect. And like, you, you've seen it, like the different foods of how it would be like frozen curly fries from Arby's and, or like, uh, um, you know, Frozen wings from uh, like TGI Fridays or whatever, you know, different stuff like that. And I wanted to talk about like, you know, how different restaurants do the free breads, like Olive Garden has the free breadsticks, Zoli free, free breadsticks. Well, uh, my Caitlin's favorite free bread, cheddar biscuits from Red Lobster. It's perfect, like, you know, you have everybody's, oh yeah. Um, it's the perfect mix between like cheddar and bread and seasoning that they put on. And if you get lucky, um, I do this every week. I'm forgetting I have this. Um, but it's the perfect mix of flavors for like a free bread. And if you get lucky while you're there, um, you have a good waiter or waitress. And they know because they get an extra tip by doing this. They'll give you, like if you run out of bread, they'll give you like six biscuits to go home with. Um, and like that's one of the best parts. Um, but uh, in case you didn't know, they do like frozen versions of this. They also have like a baking mix of this that you can do. And like Caitlin and I have talked about this before. It just doesn't taste the same as like a regular cheddar biscuit from Red Lobster. And so if you're wondering, why are you bringing new food illustration today? One, because I love food. Um, but also, today as we're going to talk between the first covenant and the second covenant of, of God, we need to remember that the first covenant was essentially a shadow or a foretaste of what Jesus would complete the second covenant. The, the frozen versions of the actual foods are like foretaste or shadow of the actual thing. They're not quite as good, but they at least give you, you know, kind of a, a, a hint of, of what it is. And so we're looking at uh, just this, this 
theme of how the first covenant and second covenant cover the, the same, but the second covenant is, is so far greater. And before we dive in and, and everything, I want to read uh, Hebrews 9, 15, um, and then pray. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died and the ransom he set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Let's pray and then we'll dig in. God, thank you for another Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity it is week in and week out to come and we can worship you and give you praise and that we can just learn about, um, you know, your covenants and like some of the maybe things you're not sure about in scripture. And so I thank you, God, that through it all, we can see how, how Jesus is, is so much greater um, and so worth following. And I pray, Jesus, that we're just inspired and influenced by the words that are spoken today to follow you in deeper relationships. In your name we pray. Amen. So two weeks ago, um, if you remember in Hebrews 8, we, we talked about how Jesus is more than worth following. We looked how, at how his priesthood offers a better sacrifice better temple, and um, a better covenant. Today, we're going to dig in and see why it's a big deal for us to, to study specifically like Old Covenant stuff versus New Covenant stuff, and, and how it, uh, when we follow Jesus, we say yes to him, we'll receive an internal inheritance that he promises. And so, we're going to take time, we're going to read uh, Hebrews 9 first, and then... Um, dig into some differences between the first covenant and new covenant. Worship in the earthly tabernacle. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. The tabernacle was set up where the last lamp stand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff and that had budded, and stone tablets of the Covenant. Above the Ark were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the Atonement cover, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. So even, and you know, we, we've heard, heard this so far in the series where we're like, we wish we could dig into that, um, but we can't right now, right? And, and so even the, the teacher in Hebrews is like, want to dig into that, but can't right now. Um, going on. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on the ministry. But only the high priest entered the, the inner room, and that was only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people, um, that that, uh, that they had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that they that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings. External regulations apply until the time blood of Christ. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, was not a part of this creation. 
He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a hickory sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that they may serve the will of God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died and ransomed and set them free sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because it is a will enforced only when somebody will die. It never takes effect while the one who made it lives. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of the calf, together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the, the scroll and all the people. He said, This is the blood of the covenant, which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices for Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself not to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So as you're reading that and, and you see, you're probably like, wow, that's that's a, a lot. That's a ton of information and things that I have no idea what these words mean. <laughs> and so we're gonna dig in. Um, specifically into the tabernacle. There's a lot there that like, we need to focus in on to, to be able to understand fully what Jesus did in the second covenant to cover our sin and the sin uh, for all. So how many of you have heard of the or, sorry, tabernacle before? Most of us, that's good. How many of you would say you're pretty knowledgeable of the things that are in the tabernacle and like what they mean and everything? Couple people, right? <laughs> And so we're going to take time because knowing this stuff helps the impact of knowing what Jesus did. And it's a lot of similarities, but also we get to see how Jesus is far greater than, than the second covenant. And so as we dig in, um, I have a picture actually of the tabernacle. And so there's there's all these things in here. It, it's not a true, obviously, but one of the like blueprint, but it, it gives us kind of a sight of like what what a tabernacle is. And so you know we see the altar, we see the the beer, which is like you know water basin, table of showbread, menorah, altar of incense, 
the veil, the veil, sorry, and the, the ark of the covenant, like you know, so all all the stuff that that's in there. And so um, when you first entered the tabernacle, you, you know, entered into the gate, it meant that you were in a place to meet God. Like you didn't just stumble upon or, or say, "Hey, meet, meet me at the tabernacle," and we'll, we'll you know cut up a conversation. Like like that's not what it was meant to do. You went there because your right, your heart is in the right place. You went there to worship God, and so something that that we need to know and 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 see is that the Israelites could enter the courtyard, but that's as far as they could go. Um, it was is it to, to go on further? Um, you know, we could hear God's consuming fire. It, you know, if you went in, it was not a good thing. You would you would you would die. So um, pretty crazy. But um, that, that's how the tabernacle was set up. And so as an Israelite, um, every, basically, you know, the only place you can go is, is the courtyard. And the first thing that, that we notice on here, going from like where you enter to the gate, the altar um, of, of uh, a burnt offering. And so when you sin, you would bring um, a sacrifice to the priest uh, to um, to sacrifice and, and you know we, we hear about this and, and you know blood covenant and, and like in Hebrews 9 there's a lot about blood and it's like what's the deal with blood and when Adam and Eve made, made that decision to, to choose their own way versus God's way they brought death, destruction chaos and darkness into the world and to, to uh, make things right so that they wouldn't face immediate intended death and for us to the, the same way um, God allowed there to be an animal sacrifice and and so um, for uh, Adam and Eve and since um, especially in here if, if you're an Israelite you would bring an animal to be sacrificed and you know we, we see this and like it's pretty intense stuff right and, and that was the point was for you to realize, you know, this is my sin. Like I have to bring this because I sin. I'm not acting the way that I should go. I'm not doing the things that, that God wants me to do. And it, the cool thing is there though, there's also another meaning in that. So one, obviously, you're you're sacrificing animal because of your own sin, but it was also to point you to the Lamb of God, Jesus. Who would be the ultimate sacrifice once and for all? One day the Messiah will come to make that final sacrifice, like we read in Hebrews 9, right? Once and for all, and shed his own blood on our behalf for us. And so that's that's the altar of, of burnt offering. And then we we get to the, the water basin um, in the courtyard, and um, where the priests would wash their hands and, and cleanse themselves blood that was shed. Um, to be able to move close to the righteousness of God, it was necessary for the priests to wash and cleanse themselves. The way of repenting from the blood. Uh, sometimes we hear this word of uh, repentance and sometimes you know, we think, oh, I repent for, for my sin. We just ask for forgiveness. Um, there's also actions that need to be made. You know, we hear this, you know, walking one way, walking one way, and then repentance is like 3180. Well, to, to make that turn, right, you have to put action into it, right? It's not just, can, can 
willy nilly just do it. Like you, you have to actually turn yourself to go in the right direction. And so repentance is a washing, putting action, and turning away from the sin in your life and following the life of Christ. You are washed by the blood of Christ. You are made whole through the sacrifice, and we're no longer required to bring sacrifices to sin because Jesus was that all finishing in Hebrews 9.26, we read that otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once and for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. As we go in, next, next we get to the holy place, um, which is like, you know, you're finally entering into the, the building, the, the tent, um, if you will. And then and the first thing we're going to talk about is the golden lampstand. Does anybody know like another name for the golden lampstand? It's very very familiar. You probably do, but you don't realize you know it. Menorah. Anybody here heard menorahs before? Some some people it's like oh I bet everybody will know what a menorah is. But anyways. Um, so, if you don't, like, probably what most of us recognize the menorah from is Hanukkah. Um, and we're not going to dig into that today specifically. Um, but the menorah in the tabernacle was, was the source of light. Like, there was no other light in there. And, like, you know, I, I was thinking about making a joke of, obviously there wasn't electricity at that time, but um, menorah was the only source of light in the tabernacle. There were no windows. <laughs> Um, in in the tabernacle it's going to be, and so like this light could be seen actually from people in like the courtyard and people um, looking into it. And what what that was a representation of is like you know there's a representation of the radiating light and love of God. So us followers of Jesus, we get to be that radiating love. And so Jesus said in John 8, 12, one of the I am statements, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. That light in the tabernacle, what, what's it leading to? Presence of God. So if we follow the light of Jesus, we have the light that leads to life. And so next, we get to lean into the table of showbread, which this uh, showbread was, was like a, a um, symbol of sustenance. Fresh loaves of bread were placed on, on the table every Sabbath day. And um, if you know Jesus, he, says, he sustains life. He talks about that a lot. He says in John 6 that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty takes care of our hunger, takes care of our thirst, you know, the things of this world, like the things that we crave that we want to do but shouldn't do. We follow Jesus. He takes care of those things in our lives. And another cool fact, this is like something cool and calculated about Scripture, about Jesus, and like how, you know, making Scripture come alive for me is, is like, so good and just how it's one unified story that points to Jesus. Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, 
Made by another definition of Bethlehem. It was known as the house of bread. So the sustainer of life was born in the house of bread, which sustains people. So he was the sustainer of life, actually born where sustenance, you know, was known. So it's connected, like, how cool is that? Like, that, that can only be calculated by God. And so, that's just one, one super cool thing about Jesus. And um, so, table show bread represents sustenance, and, and Jesus is our sustainer today. Next thing, we, we get to talk about the altar of incense. It's where the priests would offer up prayers to God and seek deep communion with him. This description, um, I, I pulled off of uh, a website called Got Questions, which is a Christian site that, that seeks to answer questions that people have you know, about Scripture, like about you know, the weird things of, of Scripture, maybe the more obvious things that, that we put you know, too, too much of ourselves in, that trying to figure it out. Um, but I love their description of what the altar of incense um, is. The altar of incense can be seen as a symbol of the prayers of God's people. Our prayers ascend to God as the smoke of the incense ascended into as the incense was burned with fire and the altar a burnt offering, our prayers must be kindled with heaven's prayers. The fact that the incense was always burning means that we should always pray. The altar of incense was holy to the Lord. It was atoned for um, with the, the blood of the sacrifice. It is the blood of Christ applied to our hearts that makes our prayers acceptable. Our prayers are holy because of Jesus' sacrifice, therefore they are pleasing. We see a little bit in this quote, um, um, and if you read in, in scripture, like Aaron was supposed to put some, some blood, you know, of, of, from the sacrifice uh, once a year on like the horns of the, the uh, altar of incense. Um, but it's meant to be this place where we get to commune with God. Jesus, you know, in his atoning sacrifice, his shed blood makes it possible for us to have deep communion with God at any moment of any day. You don't have to go there to do it. We can do it wherever we're at, whether that's our dorm room, or our classroom that we're in, or Starbucks, or Federal Coffee, or wherever we're at. We get to kneel before God in prayer, seeking communion with Him. How beautiful is that? I mean, that's, that's amazing that you know, whether I'm here or, you know, and stayed over or, you know, out and about for the day, like, even in my car driving, you know, I can just say a quick prayer. I can seek deep communion with God. That's huge. And this is what Hebrews 9, 22-24 says, says in that. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Not the shedding of blood or incense. It is necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the kingdom. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. So I'm leaving you with a cliffhanger. We're going to get to the Holy of Holies next week. And Reason being, you're all here probably, oh, what, what? Um, Hebrews 10, or actually two weeks from now, because next week is Easter, 
we don't do the uh, Easter service here. Um, but Hebrews 10 deals a lot with like the mercy seat, the holy of holies. And so this week we're ending with a, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a cliffhanger um, on this because next week or two weeks from now it's, it's going to be awesome getting to talk about that and just see further the finishing portion of like Jesus' sacrifice and, and our eternal inheritance through them. And so you might be wondering, what should we take away from today? And there's, there's been a ton. And so what I would encourage you to do is look at, like, I think it's like Exodus 25 or 24, and read through the finishing portion of Exodus, because there's a lot there that talks about the tabernacle and specific things and why it's made the way it's made. And it's, it's a good way for us to research and be able to understand the Old Covenant and then read Hebrews 9 and see how Jesus fulfills that. How he is the true tabernacle in the New Covenant. He is the temple presence. And that temple presence through his Holy Spirit is in each one of us. It's in all of us. Jesus loves you so much that he is willing to go to great lengths to shed his own blood for you. Once and for all. He did it to save you and to save me. Not because he had to, but because he was willing to. One day Jesus is going to come back, not to steal, kill, and destroy, but to restore the earth with his love and his presence. I want to finish up this morning before we head into communion, just by reading Hebrews 9, 27-28. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins. And he who will prepare a second time, not to bear sin, to bring salvation to those who are believing through him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you um, and how he went to great lengths on our behalf to literally shed his own blood um, to be that last sacrifice for us, God. Lose ourselves. Oh, Jesus, I pray that we would turn to you, that we would give our lives to you, that in anything we do, it would be surrounded by your presence, that we would chase the source of life with you, that we would give, you know, all the gunk and all the shame, the dread, the guilt, and we just give that to you like you speak into our life, speak through those things. And we just let your peace overwhelm us and um, overcome us to, to where we, we give up those maybe things that, that we need to do that, that aren't um, you know, good things for us to do. So we, we praise you and we give you glory that you give us chance after chance um, to, to become who you're calling us to be. Thank you, Jesus, for um, making us a